two, three. What's good, everybody? It is your favorite MC slash favorite RT, Iron Amp, a.k.a. Flo Rogan, a.k.a. Scarlet Bro Handsome. And I'm here with my co-host, Blaze, and some terrible lighting. I'm still trying to work this out. People, bear with me. But the star of the show, I'm the co-star. Let me say that. I'm the guest star. The star of the show is the young lady that you're looking at or you're about to listen to, depending on what medium you're listening to this on, Miss ASAP Mani from the member of ASAP squad that you don't know about yet. She's coming out soon. AKA, she gets AKAs too. Monica Blanco, welcome to the Black and Red Cave. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. I love that intro. I was not expecting that intro. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to have your, um, your, your templates. Every time I do a show, I have different names. Depending on my guests too, I'll throw something extra in there that might not be appropriate, but you know, depends on what, what the vibe of the show is today. I'm rolling with it. I'm going to learn a lot from you today, I think. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to learn a lot more from you. So first of all, before we even go on with this, what is your tolerance for curses? Because sometimes I have a potty mouth. I've gotten better. but Oh, I it's high. I, I need it. Also, I'm pretty sure, and this could be a made-up statistic, yeah. that those who actually swear more are like more honest or something. <laughs> I'm yeah, making I mean, that up. That, I'm, I'm sure making that up somewhere. You can find somebody that has already made that hypothesis and, mm -hmm. and has proven it. So I support that because I curse a lot, you know, so let's get it out the way. Shit ass fuck balls. <laughs> Got it out the way. So I'm going to attempt to put out your resume from what I've been able to dig up, but I'm going to let you kind of bring it home. So Miss ASAP Monty, besides being a underground rapper slash DJ slash breakdancer of the group, She's a content creator. She is a, do you spell a, do you say the letters individually or do you say NASM? NASM certified personal trainer? Either one. NASM certified personal trainer or NASM if you want to make it sound a little more elite. You also, you're part of something called Philexcellence. Correct. Yep. Um, which I'm going to assume has something to do with Filipino and excellence. Filipino excellence. Yep. Boom. I'm not a rapper for no reason. Uh, Co-host <laughs> of your own podcast called Only Fitness, which I think is a dope play on OnlyFans. Which I'm assuming that's how you got it from. And yep. let me see if this was a, this was, I had, to, I had to rehearse this. I actually heard your partner say this, but I thought it was a very dope term. Anti-fitness, fitness influencer. Yes. Karen. Oh my gosh. I haven't heard that one in a minute, but. I would identify myself as that for sure. What does that mean? Let's let's focus on that for a minute. Because when you said that, I kind of identified. I'm not a fitness influencer. I do work out a little bit, but not like you. But what does that mean? I think there is this idea, or maybe I'm just perceiving it this way, mm -hmm. of what a fitness influencer is. Maybe... What would you describe a fitness influencer as? Like, how me, would you describe a fitness me influencer? Personally? Yep. Um, honestly, a fitness influencer to me, sometimes I look at it like an influencer of other stuff. Like to me, an influencer is influenced by whoever is backing them. That's my opinion. So it's like an influencer that's influencing. I mean, that's promoting makeup that probably breaks her face out or his face out, but you know, they're getting paid for it. They're going to do whatever is needed to entertain you. You got to entertain for one and to draw in the whatever the um, audience. So to me, an influencer is kind of like a bad word, in my opinion. Some people, there are great ones out there. I'm not trying to put everybody under the umbrella, but fitness influencer is the person who's going to tell you to go to the gym, 
not telling you they're on steroids or anything like that and go do a shoulder press with the with the fucking bench, you know, instead of the actual yeah. bench, they're doing it with the bench. Like that's to me a fitness influencer slash entertainer. I think in the world of influencers and marketing in general, we as a collective get so what's the right word? Hypnotized or maybe mm. fixated on extremes of things. Yeah. And so in my mind, when I'm thinking of a fitness influencer, it's sometimes, and I don't want to put all fitness influencers under this umbrella. Sure, sure. So it's a lot of influencers that are adopting the mindset of go hard or go home, you know, no pain, no gain, a lot of kind of diet culture focused no. behaviors, no. Um, maybe Sweat behaviors that are, yeah, that are like more of hype arousal which is like non-stop no breaks right never miss a monday right which to some people i think that can be very inspiring and can really allow them to feel encouraged to maybe prioritize their health but to other people i don't think it takes into account maybe how accessible that is yeah whether they're lacking time resources what have you so I think there's just a lot of ideas of what fitness should be mm -hmm. when it really doesn't have to be that complicated. And so when I say I'm an anti-fitness fitness influencer, it's yeah. more of just like the opposite side where I'm kind of trying to see you from a biopsycho social perspective. I want to understand what factors are influencing your ability to pursue wellness or fitness. Right. Right. In a way that supports you and what you want in your life. First of all, that was a dope term, biopsychosocial. Is that what you said? I yeah, was, yeah. I was saying that five times in a row. That was pretty dope. And I get it. So you're, you're what I gather from you is as your platform, you you more want to get to the, you know, corny fitness analogy, like the, the amino acids of the actual muscle. Like you want to find what is making you want to do this or what makes you, what drives you to go into your fitness and, I think that's really important because some people like I got into fitness because I was always a super skinny dude. You know, I never got like bullied, but I was always a super skinny kid, super skinny kid. I'm not like I don't like the rock now, but trust me, it's a vast difference. <laughs> you know, it was that and the fact that I was getting older for me. Like I was in the gym. I was like 25 and 41 now. I was 25 and I was um, working out and this older dude came to me and said, yo, get it in now, because when you reach my age, it's going to take you a lot more work. And for me, mm -hmm. that was my motivation where I have a friend of mine. He got into it because he was short and he was getting bullied. So he went. Wow. Know, uh -oh, I feel that 410, 410 lady. So did that, did that kind of spark your love of the fitness was um being short? No offense. Is that a bad <laughs> word? My, girl, my girlfriend. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a fact. It's a fact. Yeah. That's just, that is how, that's just what my body is. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily when I think about it really hard i'm like i question myself like am i compensating for my <laughs> i don't know i don't think so but um sorry to interrupt you no i think um, i think that's perfect because i mean that's di different people's motivations like my boy he's like five four five three i want to say and with my friends we're all six feet and up so he always felt kind of like the outlier you know so um yeah imagine my girl who i said my girl's 4 11 hanging out with us like i lose her <laughs> you know what i'm saying like <laughs> 
where we all take pictures is like the top of her head and then the rest of us, you know what I'm saying? But um Oh yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You yeah, gotta yeah. get really good at squats. She's getting there. <clears throat> she, I should send her to you. Y'all can link up and cause she, I'm trying to she mo she works out, but you know, we all sometimes she has to push me, sometimes I have to push her, and who better? I re- I've already told her about you, and she oh, she sounds pretty dope. So I might have you another client. I don't know. Okay, let oh, me know. We, we do business here. She's Hell from Wag, yeah. She's from Wag Jersey. I'm gonna turn off half of my listeners, but she's from, she's from Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> no right, See, so I, I don't know about Jersey. I don't know about any of the <laughs> boroughs yet. I'm still learning. So how long have you been in New York? About nine months. Oh wow! So yeah, you are really new. Very new. I am. could have had a baby by now. Definitely could but... have. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely could have. So, yeah, and I met you a few months ago at a Spotify event. So you were like super new. Because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I saw you outside when we were looking for the building. And I saw you because you looked lost. I mean, no offense, but I was also lost. You know, you were looking lost. for the building. Yeah, so the same. So, again, Brooklyn is a different world to me. I'm from the Bronx. You might as well be from California. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I peeped that, but then we went up to the room and all of us went to the boardroom that they had, dope program, and they had us introduce our episodes. And part and I jump around, you know, at times there's a streamline, sometimes we just jump no, around. No, I'm with you. Dope. So you brought up something very dope, in my opinion. And everybody had their different pack, um, podcast platforms, like um, the school podcast I thought was dope. I've already had an interview with Eleanor, um, just about her energy and the spirit and how it is being a overweight woman trying to date and everything like that. And you said, my brother and I were thinking of doing an episode about, I mean, a podcast about, I think you said generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that rang a bell to me right away. What, what, what triggered that? What is that? Not to dig in too much into your past unless you're willing to share. It's up to you, but what triggered that? Idea? Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm more than happy to share. As long as people ask questions, I'm always happy to Awesome. answer them the best that I can with whatever I'm comfortable sharing, which is mostly everything, honestly. Okay. Good. But thank you. The past, I want to say five or so years, I think I can say now in hindsight, I've been on this journey of really understanding, I guess, how I got here. Why at certain points in my life have I felt very unfulfilled Mm. um also in that same vein too i didn't know i didn't really have like a passion for anything to be quite honest with you i realized that everything that i was doing around me all of the decisions that i had made for so long even since i was a kid were decisions that i was making out of shame out of fear Mm. And I didn't really make that connection until maybe a couple of years ago, 2020, 2021. Okay. When actually you brought up Phil Excellence. That's my um, nonprofit, not my nonprofit, a nonprofit that we co-founded. And I say we in reference to the board members of that 501c3 nonprofit. Okay. It was just to give you a backstory about that. COVID happened. And for whatever reason, have you heard of the app Clubhouse? Yeah. Yeah. I failed. Were you ever on there? Yeah, I got on there. I thought my voice would carry me to the moon. It didn't. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, now, it, <laughs> hey, it's never too late. I think it's going to also. No. But I think that dream is going to come true for you. I love that. Um, days like that. I can give you the bull yes. on our wood, but this soundboard doesn't work. So it's for sure. It's okay. It's I'm okay. imagining it in my head. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I found myself on that app. Uh, one of my cousins actually like gave me an invitation. It was invite only. Yep. And basically, if you don't know what Clubhouse is, it was an audio app where you could create different groups about different topics. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how else to explain it. But I found myself searching for Filipino rooms. I, that's just what I was feeling called Didn't to at the time. To that, yeah. yeah. Clearly, I look back in <laughs> hindsight, I'm like, I was really looking just for connection and for something, especially during COVID when we couldn't go out or, you know, do yeah. that much at the time. Yeah. But this group formed because we were having a lot of these conversations around topics that would be considered taboo, especially within the Filipino community, mm -hmm. like mental health. And I always found myself in these rooms, my mind just like, what the heck? Like, just I'm making so many connections as to yeah. why did I always feel like super drained after social situations? Oh, it was because I was adopting myself or adapting myself to the people around me. Yeah. Um, kind of putting on like layers of protection. Uh, also, I grew up in the Midwest, not a lot of diversity in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> I also went to uh, Catholic schools for a majority of middle school to high school. So there's school. just a lot of layers of what's the right word? Really adapting to my environment. Right. All of those um, environments seem to be kind of, um, like you said, not very, um, not very diverse. I went to Catholic high school and it was very uniformed, you know, and yes. I was all boys because my mother said I was acting up before that. So that was just even more uniform for me. And it was continue. Yeah, that was an interesting yeah. experience. Shout out to Cardinal Hayes. Yeah. I, I mean, what generational trauma is, is I might butcher this, but basically your epigenetics and like gene expression, mm -hmm. like every cell in your body that you have has like your genetic code and okay. you can, that can change depending on your environment and how you are kind of experiencing the world around you. And right. so even if you like go back to, you know, generations before you, let's say I am the daughter of immigrant parents and mm -hmm. so just the mere fact of leaving your homeland and going to this new country you're putting yourself through this experience that maybe you don't even realize is traumatic because i think trauma has this kind of connotation to it that it has to be something like one single event that is like yeah right. you know really yeah. dramatic like a superhero moment or your yes, supervillain moment yeah. but it can really just be an accumulation or repeated experiences that like microaggressions, for example, yeah. that can really change and alter, I mean, your DNA or your gene expression. Sure. But um, that's kind of more in the weeds of everything. Going back to those like little clubhouse rooms of having these conversations, I think I was just having so many epiphany moments. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of didn't realize that 
I wasn't really equipped to handle a lot of the information emotionally. Like, really? Wow, because it was it kind of like a... Because I've been in situations where when I find some other people that have the same kind of trauma or phobies, like I'm extreme, <clears throat> see, I'm extremely claustrophobic. And as a 6'2", 220-pound black guy, black man, that is like, oh, you a pussy, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, my size has nothing to do with, if anything, that works against me because now there's less room for me, you know? And then right. when I, that's one good thing about the internet, as damaging as the internet can be, that's one good thing. I found so many other people that, had that same kind of fear that I have, including there was a guy, um, um, Gerald McCoy. He played for the, like a future NFL Hall of Famer. He almost lost his contract because he was scared to get in the MRI machine. And I was like, this dude is bigger wow. than everybody. And like reading some of the things that people go through, I can identify with how you felt because I'm like, yo, I was getting anxious reading some of this, but I also felt kind of better because I'm like, oh, I'm not the wild one. Oh, that's so real. That's yeah. so real. I think what I've learned too is there's a such thing as vicarious trauma. So Ooh, did you make that up? No, I learned oh, this yeah, like, in my certification. <laughs> yeah. Google it. Google it. Okay, you um, better, you better trademark that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, we're learning every, so many new things just every day, especially yeah. in this field. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but in my trauma informed certification class, so I'm also, a trauma-informed personal trainer, which is a whole other thing. It is, it kind of, everything that I learned up until this point really brought me to becoming a trauma-informed personal trainer. Mm. Um, but basically what I learned is I think so many of us, especially during COVID, when we were just watching the news, you're on social media, you're seeing all of these devastating things happen and we mm -hmm. internalize that feeling and that is vicarious trauma. If you're not able to properly regulate or um, kind of process it and not yeah. hold on to it, if Absolutely. that makes sense. No, yeah. Makes perfect sense. I, um, I work healthcare, so I was in the shit. Like I was literally in the shit. So I had to compartmentalize a lot of things. And to be honest with you, like I, I never, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I worked last night, people, my voice is shot, but, um, you I sound never, great. Thank you. Oh, see, I do like her. She's good people. I, um, I used to have to really, first of all, like I said, let me, let me, let me say this to begin with. I work with children. I'm a pediatric respiratory therapist. Oh, that's so, amazing. Love what I do. It's a great job. And when COVID hit, we got slammed, but I don't ever want to come here. Like I have the Superman cape on because the adult side got wiped out. So kudos to all of my people that worked in there from pantry to your nurses, to your RTs, the doctors too. But here's a little secret. The doctors generally were outside in the room, in the hallway while we was in the room, just saying. But, you were um, in it. Yeah, we was in it. We were, they, were, they were like the generals from the office or whatever military works. I'm punk when it comes to that stuff too. And we were on the field, you know? And um, like you said, I saw how many people kind of just collapsed under that. And for me, I think the fact that I was able to get out and go to work, even though I was going into the sh to the storm, I had people that I can physically talk to and directly communicate with. I can't imagine what it was like having to be in a house, see this online, you're getting fed different information from everywhere, you know? And um, I had people tell me that they don't believe it's real when I just had two kids die on me today. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, wow. so how do you sit in a room and deal with that? I can't imagine what that was like for you. And shout yeah. out to you for making it. <laughs> shout out to you for real just so much respect and i i think i hope 
that the work that you did comes back to you tenfold for sure. That's just, that's just a lot. It's very respectable and, um, honorable really. Life is treating me well. I will say. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Overall. Good shit. Good shit. Um, well, that also goes back to like those clubhouse rooms where Mm -hmm. we were almost, yes, addressing and bringing awareness to a lot of these issues outside of COVID. I mean, even within our own community, because everything, any change that you want, it should start at home. Yeah. That's, I I mean, and, um, I think personally, my issue was, okay, I am absorbing, absorbing, absorbing all of this information, but I'm holding it within me and I'm not letting it, like, I'm not releasing it at all. So I'm holding these feelings of, wow, I feel so seen. I feel acknowledged for my experiences. There's a reason for all of this, right? but I'm not doing anything about it necessarily. I'm just complaining. And it was almost for me personally, I think I felt like I was just like sitting in those emotions and a lot of these feelings were coming up to the surface, not being released. A lot of resentment. Uh, Resentment Uh, towards who, if you don't mind me asking. I would say honestly, towards my family. Like I really resented my family because I also didn't have compassion for them or myself. So I almost put myself in kind of the victim mentality. Um, that's a tough place to be in. Yeah. yeah oh comforting yeah. At first. It's comforting at first, but then it's it's not a exactly. good place. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I had to really face myself and really address the trauma that I was holding within mm-hmm. myself. And if it weren't for, you know, those rooms and those conversations, then I wouldn't have recognized it. I think I just wasn't equipped with the right tools to really address them properly until later when I was, when they were just festering and I was just feeling stagnant in life and I didn't Mm -hmm. know what I was doing, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I think we are so privileged today to have one, the tools to be able to cope properly um, and resources that can also help online, social media. Yeah, It's incredible how you just mentioned this. And this is one thing I've tried to do better at in my personal life. You found that kind of peace and that community and people that you don't even know. It was just y'all had the same kind of something was the common thread. There may be little differences, but something was the same. And it's weird for me, I found that I have done the same, whereas I have a very close-knit friends group. You know, every now and then, like, my friend Kush, I'll dump all my problems on. But, like, my boys, my best friends, one of them just passed, rest in peace, bro. I don't open up to them as much. And I've, I always wondered why that is. You know, and I generally find myself an open person. If you listen to any other episode, I'm extremely open. My music is my therapy, so I'll tell you about the time I was with the girl I liked and my stuff didn't work. It happens. You know, like, I don't mind going around those things. But there is a peace in finding that common struggle with strangers because they're not going to be able to judge me. And if they can, I don't know you anyway. Yeah. It's interesting. mm -hmm. Like, I think people dog on social media and people almost develop this. Oh, social media is toxic. It can Mm -hmm. be toxic for sure. 
Sure but thing. I think it can also be a really great place when you are in a, when you're, you personally are in a good place to discern what's for you and yes. what's not Yeah. instead of like, using social media to feed something that's negative within you. Mm. If you're open to like those connections online and even open to bring them offline too, right? Yeah. It can be such a powerful tool because so much of what we're looking for in general, it's just human nature to want to connect. It really is. And that's why I think 2020 was so hard on so many people, you know, because obviously I think it's the fact that you couldn't connect with other people. And the other side, as you mentioned this earlier, you kind of had to look at yourself and be like, all right, this is something that I have to fix on myself. And what you mentioned there was something I can identify with. I went through a thing at a point in time where I had such anger at women, not, you know, I say this all the time, not as humans, you know, I don't want you to wipe off the earth, but as dating, I was like, yo, they're fucking crazy. This, none of this makes sense. And I had such anger towards y'all. And then I stumbled on a certain content. And it kind of put me in an echo chamber, like the Kevin Samuels content, all of these things. And I love Kevin Samuels personally, but I don't know if you know who that is, but the echo I don't. Camera, oh, just Google him. <laughs> oh, you want to see some toxicity out of that? Oh, just read the comments. But not so much now. I think his message kind of got through a little bit somewhat, but oh, whatever, right? But he used to talk about things that women did and, you know, what the things that they wanted and how it was whatever, you know, just check it out. He caught a lot of heat. And I listened to it, and because I was so angry and I was hurt, I kind of weaponized that stuff, and I wasn't really gaining from it positively. It just gave me more ammunition, you know, it gave me more bullets in the clip. And I probably took that out on some people, you know, and I don't ever think I was an asshole to anybody, but I'm sure I took it out on some people. But once I healed more, now I really started learning from these guys, and I see the way it helped me and improved me. And it seems like you yes. kind of had that same story. I would have never had that without the internet. That's why this is going to be a tangent a little bit. I think there are, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of, I guess you would call them influencers. Let's talk, let's say like Joe Rogan or Joe uh, Rogan, who's the other one? Jordan Peterson. Peterson, yeah. yeah. That I think, oh, man, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to say it because it's what Sorry. I believe. This is our show, man. We don't I shoot think they're info I think they have a platform for a reason, and mm -hmm. maybe I am not their audience. So who sure. am I to judge them for putting themselves out there? I think a lot of what people mm -hmm. do in general when they put stuff out there is because they're curious. And so who am I to judge? Um, I, I mean, I guess that that's only a surface level. I think mm -hmm. if I were to listen to some of those conversations, I'm sure I would disagree with a lot. Like, I'm sure there are some topics and conversations they have that are probably toxic or not helpful, mm -hmm. but I commend them. I commend anyone that is brave enough to put themselves out there. Yeah, it's not easy. I've lost quote unquote friends all for things that I've said, and I don't say, I don't say anything to hurt anybody. It's never my intention, but I'm also honest. If two plus two is four, I don't care if you think it's five, like it's not five. You know, and mm, um, mm -hmm. it's um like Jordan Peterson, he gets a lot of another one. He gets a lot of heat. And I listen to him like a lot of his stuff. You know, I try to stay away from listening to clips. So actually, Jordan Peterson and Kevin Samuels is kind of like the same, not the same message, but kind of like well, they, they overlap a little bit. But sure. They kind of get the same reaction, you know. Yeah, I think it's and, it questions yeah. too. Um, I think people bring up a lot like intention versus impact. Mm. what's more important because mm -hmm. 
And but I don't know why it has to be either or. What do you mean? Like, it's hard to know someone's true intentions, I think. But if you see like the impact of what someone says, mm. I don't know. I, it's just something that I thought about a lot because I can have the truest intentions and I can want to help people a lot. But if yeah. what I do has a negative impact in general, no, it's something to, I guess, reflect on. That's a whole like difficult, almost like philosophical question, because I may say something to you today or you may say something you may say something to me today. I get accused of this a lot. And sometimes I think I need to tone it down, but I grew up where this is this, this is this, you know, um, mm -hmm. I may say something to you today, like, um, oh, that black bag you got hanging up. She has a black bag hanging up. If you guys are just listening to this, maybe you should put a red one up there just for the way it looks. I'm not saying this is the thing I'm yeah, using yeah, it yeah. As, as an example. I think it'll look better in your, in your studio, on your camera. And that might hurt your feelings. And now I, obviously I don't think that would really hurt your feelings. I don't know. It might, but like, I say that with the most genuine intent, but it may really hurt your feelings. And later on, you might be like, oh, I get it now. I'm glad he said mm. that to me. I think that happens a lot. But then some people hear it and then they shut down completely. And then the message is missed. So like, I get that a lot where it's like, your perception didn't match with my intention. Mm. You know, like what I was trying to tell you was not to shit on you, but if you keep doing this, and I don't know everything, honestly, I'm wrong all the time, but like, if you keep doing this, and I'm telling you, if me softballing it to you is not working, so I'm going to tell you straight up, it may hurt you. And I don't know. I feel like a lot of these guys, some people aren't mature enough. To, I don't want to say mature. Actually, no, I will say some people aren't mature enough to get their message if they're listening to the full message. Some people listening to 10%. Yep. I could take something you said here, make a clip of it, and make turn you into the worst person in the world. You know? So it's it, I hear the you. bad part of it. I hear you. Now, I actually, there's a quote. I'm a big words quotes girly, but um, it's it was a reflection question. Are you listening with your triggers or are you listening Ooh. with your ears? It's like there's I a difference like between one. listening to something and hearing something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I and I, I agree That's with you, okay. actually. Like, I think there are people. Right. And I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm like coming off as also judgmental, but I think there are a mm -hmm. lot of people and I was one of them too. Sometimes it depends mm -hmm. on what emotional state I'm in. And if I feel like sure. I'm again, equipped to handle certain yeah. things, but, um, that they look for something to either kind of be pressed about or yeah, they're just not in a state where they're able to just take something and not uh, yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I absorb, can't find the words. Absorb the actual message that's being sent. I love that you're listening with your with your with your um. What you said? You're listening with your triggers. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's like because I can say one, two, three, four. And when I get the five, whatever reason five is your trigger. One, two, three, four means nothing to you. You're gonna stick with five and you're gonna run with that. Yeah. And then that leads to nowhere, which is bad for growing because we can't communicate that way. Exactly. So I hear you. I and that's. I think I said all of that stuff earlier, not to defend, you know, mm -hmm. this person or that person. I just think mm -hmm. we as human beings need to kind of recognize, I think, why there is such, I mean, a divide in general, but also, yeah, yeah we're kind of just struggling to hear each other, see each other and, and accept mm -hmm. each other for, you know, who we are and where mm -hmm. we're at. Yeah.
unfortunately, it's profitable as well. Like, there's a That's reason true. why I never personally got into like the men versus women thing that's super prevalent. My algorithm is loaded with that. Cause again, two, three years ago, I was very angry. So my, my algorithm is still on that. And sometimes I still listen. Um, but I can see if I wasn't as matured now, oh man, I would have hated women. I'm not going to lie to you again, not as people, but in terms of dating and it took, but it, at the same time, that anger and that pain built me and the support of what I was listening to really kind of helped me because I was at some point able to shift that into a positive um when you when you were in these groups did you have a moment where it became so overwhelming for you that you wanted to stop where the things certain people were saying that you was like they don't know what the fuck they talking about damn if i use that for a promo i have to edit that out but like for the people there that, <laughs> that they're like they don't know what the hell they talking about but they think they because one thing i'm sorry i'm rambling no, a little go bit, ahead. But one thing i hated about clubhouse personally why i didn't totally get into it i already feel like i know what you're gonna like, say <laughs> Let me see. Let me see. People me see just that. like to hear themselves talk. Yes. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what makes you qualify? And so I remember I was on there one day and this guy was going on for 30 minutes. Nobody shut him up, shut him down. I was like, why is he still up here? I don't know what he was talking about, but he didn't know what he was talking about either. So did you ever have that reaction with any of your interactions on this clubhouse platform? I think you did because you just kind of tipped your hand. Yeah, I know. I know that. <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think, honestly, I did notice myself using it more as an escape. Like, I would just mm -hmm. listen to people talk so I wouldn't have to listen to my own thoughts. Ooh, that's interesting. So you were running. I was running. Was like I've a... been running. I have been running up until I would even say, like, this past year. Um, okay. So... Yeah, escaping, finding other ways so to escape. So let's go to the root of that, because you mentioned the family part. Is it... Because like I said, my girlfriend's Filipino mm -hmm. and I see some of the things. That's how it's one of the first things I said to you, you know, and I see kind of the, I don't want to say fucked up things, but maybe it is kind of messed up. Yeah. Some of the things that she has dealt with and the way she reacts to certain things. And that came from her family. So do you think it's just your personal family? Is this, is, we're sticking with you. I mean, I'm sure we can go through all other cultures. Totally. Do you think this is just like a Filipino parents born in the Philippines kind of thing or? There's so much. Can you give me yeah. examples of what you mean if you don't yeah. mind? Wait, sorry. Can you repeat that? Sorry. And can you give me examples of like some of the things that you have kind of taken on as the um, the trauma? What I think is also adverse childhood events is, what, is a term that I yeah, saw. Yeah, like adverse uh -huh. childhood experiences. Pieces. Yep. Yeah. That's one way to measure just like, I don't even know what to call it. I'm not a mental health professional also just gonna put that out there most of the people online aren't either yeah <laughs> wow that's so facts um, so i have a very limited knowledge of these topics i mean but i know what i know mm. and i'll share what i know um you know what you expect yeah exactly i think more of what i experienced i let me pause for a second and think as we hear the sounds of New York in the background, people, I love it. I love it. Music. I, I, it's like white noise to me at this point, but I'm so used to it. If it's to too it quiet, now. I get nervous. Yeah, if it gets if it gets too quiet, I get scared. <laughs> Be honest with you. I'm trying to think of because there's so much I think within Filipino culture in general, but I mean, I keep saying Filipino culture when I know there are common traits in other cultures too. 
But again, just speaking yeah. from my experiences, a lot of behaviors learned from having like a colonial mentality can mm. show up in ways, in different ways. Um, whether that's like, you know, parents being old school or disciplining you, uh, like by being spanked, or we call that like palo. Yeah. Um, and then there's like the general stereotype, Asian stereotype too, of like just doing super well in school, the yeah. known path of becoming a doctor, lawyer, engineer, nurse. There's just those pressures because they sacrifice so much for you in yeah, being here. True. So you that's kind true. of feel like you're indebted to them. We call that utang, like you're indebted to them and you owe them, you know, some either whether that's money or, yeah. Yeah, you know, you. Um, and so I think internalizing that pressure and wanting to be successful in every single thing that I did, that's like perfectionism, but Which having your worth be predicated on that can inform a lot of the choices and decisions you make. Which is why I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, so much of what I did was out of shame and fear and survival. And so when I so, don't, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm listening. I'm listening. And so I think having that mentality and also growing up in a space where I was different already, like being the only Filipina or Asian girl in my classes, mm. kind of wanting to really blend in right, just right. to feel belonging or to make friends yeah. even, because again, like we said before, we just want a sense of community and connection. Yeah, yeah. So there's just so many I don't layers. I Michigan as a hotbed for Asian immigrants. Pardon? Or am I wrong? I don't find Grand Rapids, Michigan to be a hotbed of Asian activity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, not, not what I imagine, at least. I think from in the community that I was in specifically, definitely not. There are definitely other mm -hmm. parts of Grand Rapids or Michigan mm -hmm. that were probably a lot more diverse than what I had experienced. But mm -hmm. I used to look back on uh, my, you know, childhood and resent it, like I mentioned, but I, I think mm -hmm. at least today I can say like, that's probably why I'm here to also. It, it puts some, um, it puts some scars on you that strengthen the skin, you know, it's thick skin now and you're, you're getting to where you need to go. And you mentioned one thing, um, you said you felt the pressure. Do you think that pressure was put on by your parents or do you think you just absorbed the energy of that pressure? My friends are African and their parents are not much different. You know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, you want to be a rapper, forget about it. Oh, you want to own a business selling socks? Not happening. You yeah. better get your, you know, STEM. So do you think it was imposed on you? Do you think you just kind of absorbed it? Or maybe a combination of both. I think both. A little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Like, what, I'm sure there are other kids that do this too, but I think back in hindsight, like, I was already, I mean, only five years old or six years old saying, I'm going to be a doctor. It's in my DNA. It's in my blood, yeah. you know? Oh, that is like some indoctrination. Yeah. And so <laughs> I literally had these, like, blinders on, like, my mm -hmm. entire kind of schooling that I was going to be a doctor. Yeah. And so at five. Yeah. Up until mm -hmm. I think it was like my sophomore year. 
at Hope College, I was like, oh, these weed out classes are weed out classes for oh, a reason. I, got weeded out. Shit. I was pre-med for 36 minutes. Yeah. So, nope. <laughs> Hell like, no. Um, I'd still be in school probably. Shit. Like, mm -mm. Yep. And I think I've, what I internalized too, I just, I, wow, I couldn't do it. I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and so then I would find ways to like escape that feeling of feeling unworthy, mm -hmm. whether that was through people, alcohol, drugs, whatever. And then mm -hmm. just escape all of that. Mm -hmm. Not really having the wow, communication so with my parents either. Like, this is how I was feeling. So did you feel like you couldn't talk to them at all? Did you ever try? I should ask you better than not. Have you ever, did you feel like you couldn't, have you ever tried to talk to them about how you felt about things? I think I, even now, yeah, I think I did try before. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to communicate properly and they also didn't know how to, I think, receive it um, properly mm -hmm. too, because because of the gap in communication, especially my mom, her feeling like she did something wrong as a parent, like, oh, it's my fault. Oh, man, that's a lot to carry. So, yeah, there, it would always end up in like bickering arguments, fighting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I, in hindsight, now realize like, oh, we are really just trying to express how much we love each other and understand each, but we yeah. couldn't find that common no. ground. So I had to drag my mom to therapy with me <laughs> one Ooh, day. She went though. kudos to going to therapy. So kudos to that. I am pro therapy. Yeah. I always wonder what, when it comes to parents like that too, your parents were not born here. Is that safe to assume? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you were born here or you spent most of your life here, right? Well, I was born here. Yep. Okay. So were your grandparents the same way? Because I'm always curious, like, is every story has an origin, you know, like I look at like how anxious my mom was and then I dig a little deeper and I see what happened before her and then, then what happened before her. So there's like a chain. I don't think people wake up one day and be like, I'm just going to completely put all this weight on my daughter or my son and I'm going to shut them down. Like, do you think that it was something that was passed down? And I asked that because in that will make me wonder, well, is this really just a cultural thing, period? Because they didn't come over here like they raised your parents over there. So is this something that your parents maybe learned when they got here? Or is this something that they were kind of conditioned while they were at home growing up as children in the Philippines? I think both, again. Like, I, I do think yeah. there were a lot of learned behaviors from, one, their environment, and two, also how they were brought up. I, I guess that's the same mm -hmm. thing. But... My mom, no, it, it yeah, my mom has opened yeah. up about just some of her childhood or experiences too with her yeah, siblings, yeah. and there was a lot of just protection of the family name. And I think I yeah, ended up also I mean. internalizing that too. Yeah. So, again, it's all—it's just shame. So much shame-based decision making and not really addressing the root of the issue or not really being able to recognize that we're not dealing with these things properly. And we wonder why so much in general, people are suffering with these chronic conditions from toxic stress, like diabetes and heart conditions mm -hmm. and stuff like that, just because mm -hmm. they present um, physically 
because we hold it emotionally mm-hmm. wild. Right. So how do you translate this into your kind of therapeutic efforts with working out? Like, do you, I'm assuming you kind of combine it because you did say you are, um, I wrote it down because like I said, I was a lot to write. Oh, damn it. What did you say? It was trauma informed, trauma informed personal fitness training. Yep. Yeah. Personal trainer. What does that mean? If you don't mind me asking, how do you apply it takes fitness to more of an embodied approach to movement. So when we think about traditional personal training, it's kind of more of outcome focused. So, you know, these are the results yeah. that I want. I want to lose X amount of weight. And we have a clear kind of regimen or yeah, rigid schedule to achieve yeah. that outcome. Whereas trauma-informed personal training is more of the process. Mm-hmm. It's more, it takes more of the biopsychosocial influences into account. All right. We got two of those now. Yep. <laughs> you got to say it three more times before the podcast is over. Yes. <laughs> and something that I learned from Emily Young, who did my certification, she says, if you're working with bodies, you're, you're working with trauma. You're working with the nervous system. Because mm-hmm. when we think of trauma, trauma is not the like event itself of something that happens. It's how your brain responds to that event or repeated events, no matter how big or small those events are. And so Mm -hmm. when someone maybe is operating from that place of trauma, you never know what kind of triggers that they might have, whether that's being in the gym and someone's like slamming weights, uh, maybe it's social anxiety, like some, it's just a, too overwhelming. So it's kind of meeting that person mm-hmm. where they are and giving them tools to help ground themselves, to help yeah. be in more of like a regulated state to where they can really listen to their body. Because also when you're in kind of like a fight, flight, freeze, or a fawn, um, yeah. you're not really grounded and you can make a lot of decisions that oh, yeah. maybe are not conducive to listening to your body. Yeah. As a claustrophobic, trust me, I get it. Once the trigger, once the sympathetic system is on point, it is over. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing else. The most logical decision is not going to happen at that point. And it can impede the progress and listening to you. I have a person that's very close to me, very, very close to me. And, um, excuse me, edit that out. I have a person that's very, very close to me. And for years I've been trying to get him to come to the gym with me. And he's a little overweight, you know, grew up um, in a household where his dad, tough guy, dad was one of the toughest dudes I've ever met, right? And um, so he kind of had to, I, I feel, this is me painting his story, felt like he had to kind of live up to that to an extent. And he became overweight. And I used to always, still, he has the frame, but I used to always tell him, yo, let's call him Byron. I don't know about any Byron, but Byron, right? Byron, let's go. <laughs> Byron, come to the gym with me. Come to the gym with me. Come to the gym with me. And it was always, I need to, I need to get in shape first. Mm, and that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And then I'm realizing he doesn't want to go to the gym and be looked at by people because he's a little overweight. And I'm like, but that's the point of it. But for years, this is almost a decade now, I haven't gone to the gym with him one time. And I ask all the time. I stopped, I've stopped asking recently. 
And that seems like there's some trauma there that he just, in my opinion, you know, I can be wrong. This is your field. You know, that you're right. There's something he doesn't want to face in there. No, you're right. And he continues to get bigger. It's, um, I think that's another conversation about how we treat people in marginalized bodies. Mm. And so they are not feeling safe to enter this space where yeah. there's all of these people kind of like moving their body. But again, I think it's also the connotation or idea of what a gym body is. Right. And not right. feeling accepted or welcome in any space makes it so right. hard to show up in that space. Right. Right. And I think that's what he's going going through because he'll go in and be like, he thinks everybody's looking at him. And, you know, and I, and I felt like that was a whole business model of Planet Fitness for a while. And I fell into it. I remember I said I was super skinny. And I would never, I never forget. I'll put a picture of me when I was a kid in the, in the editing, but not a kid, like in my 20s. And I remember working out and I'm there, I'm lifting my, I'm curling my little 15s or whatever I'm curling, struggling, but you know, I'm trying. And um, there's these guys over by the bar and they were laughing at me, right? And I felt the way about that. But then I looked at them and again, I'm sorry, no offense. This isn't a short joke, but then I looked at them and I saw they had to jump to grab the pull-up bar. <laughs> and I said to them, and I said to them, and I could have got my ass whooped that day. And I said to them, I can look, because they was big dudes. I was like, I can end up looking like you, but I'll never have to jump to grab a bar. You'll always have to jump to grab a bar. <laughs> and maybe I made them feel bad that day, but I walked off in slow motion. I had the Wu-Tang music you in my wrong. head, like walking off. Yeah, I felt good, but it's like, I see why maybe some people may feel that way. Because for me, I was on a mission. I knew I you'll you'll never be where I'm at, you know, at least not naturally. I don't think they figured the whole stretching your height out thing. But I can see how it could be very intimidating, especially when you got the girls in there with all the ass mm -hmm. out and you have a girl that may not look the same way and she feels kind of do you run into that a lot in your practice? Yeah. Oh, all the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. What's even sadder is in twenty 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 one when I was mm -hmm. really on TikTok and like kind of putting out my kind of messaging and stuff like that, mm -hmm. I would get messages from girls that were seven, nine, 11, 13. No yes, way. Yeah, asking, how do I get a slim, thick body? How do I get a fat no. ass in a big dump truck? Seven. Yeah, it, too young, way too young. I mean, actually there's no age for that. Like I. You know, I think, yeah. of course, no, I get, but I, I get you know what I'm saying? It's like, just really, seven is really, not really upsetting, um, which yeah. made me like kind of stop and think what messaging am I putting yeah. out? Where, what is my role here? If I already have a platform mm -hmm. and I do mm -hmm. talk about a lot of those kind of topics of how much more representation there needs to be in the fitness industry from marginalized bodies, from BIPOC creators and trainers, that? black, indigenous, people of color, whoever. Oh, wow. I learned something new. <laughs> yeah. BIPOC. I like that. Sounds like a dope group <laughs> from the 90s. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the term. That's what people use. Uh, but whatever yeah, yeah. the inclusive um, sure, sure. way is. But yeah, the more you see someone that looks like you, the more safe, I guess, you do feel in any yeah. space. Which is what yeah, I was lacking I mean, when I was younger. So it kind of, 
right. have to think about that whenever I'm, I don't know, working around these topics. So let me ask you this. What do you think kind of built up your confidence at whatever level it is? I'm, I'm going to assume it's a little bit higher than what it was when you were 15 or whatever. I'm completely made that number up, but like when you were 15, maybe a little bit higher, what do you think is the cause of that? Was it just the rooms? Was it you finally getting positive feedback from your platforms? And, um, you know, I don't mean this offensively and I'm also not trying to get in trouble, but you're an attractive woman and I'm sure that may help boost your ego a bit, but that may also not help your ego a little bit. Like what was the, the way that this worked out for you? How did this get you to where you are? Cause it is not easy putting yourself out on the internet with your opinions, with your body, with your train of thought. Cause people are very vicious. Rich people are very Oh my mean. God. People are, people are ruthless mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. internet. Oh yeah. I you meet them in person. <laughs> I know. I, I'm really trying to find that answer for myself too, because even in the past, there were a lot of identities and things that I adopted as myself, but mm -hmm. I think as I kind of took off each metaphorical layer that I kind of built, I became more and more yeah. confident because I was like, I'm closer and closer to myself. Um, yeah. And the one that really, really impacted me the most, or the thing that impacted me the most is putting the work into repairing my relationship with my mom, like 100%. It seems very central to your, to your story. Yeah. Yeah. I saw another quote the other day that was like, your first, your first child is your inner child or something. And I was like, what? Okay. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. But I think having healthy, working on healthy communication and boundaries with my mom mm -hmm. has changed a lot. Um, I was home last or two weeks ago and she just kept repeating to me, you know who you are. Wow. Which I, I, night and day, our relationship wow. really, like this has been right. over six years of kind of really work, slow, slow yeah, efforts yeah. over time. And I think we can finally both say that it has changed so much for the better. And like these cycles that we're trying to break, we're breaking yeah, yeah. them. I think this is awesome because I'm listening to you. And then, like I said, I'm, comparing this to my friends who have things where their parents are just shut down. They're not trying to hear anything. And all that does is raise the anxiety and raise the antagonistic relationship. And it gets nowhere but bad. Yeah. And I want to commend your mom and you for kind of putting in that working because she had to put some stuff down. Too oh to my God. She's been working hard. <laughs> Shout to your mom. Again, if I had the thing, I'll do it. Right We're doing it right now. Yeah. Exactly. I'll put in a post edit and you know, I wanted to bring you on because I'm hoping, like I said, I know a lot of people that grew up in certain cultures. Like my mother was hard on me, but then my mother got really sick at a certain point in life. So she kind of just kind of fell back. And luckily I still had a good structure in my family. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I never felt super pressured to do X, Y, Z. I probably could have used a little bit more because I'm by nature, I'm lazy. And you know, unless it's something I really want, I'm just whatever. Um, I feel that though. But yeah, whatever, it'll get done. But I think you taking this word, I think will kind of change what's your next 
you know, I don't know if you want kids or not, but if you have children or even just young oh, people I that you want interact kids. with. I'm, I'm not ready for them, but I'm ready for them when yeah. it happens. I, I still don't know. I ain't got no kids yet. Man. I got a That's cat cool. and I'm like, hey, he's here. He's getting on my nerves lately, but he, he a lot of information. He keep peeing next to the damn <laughs> litter box and he's really getting me mad because ain't nothing like the smell of pee walking in the house. Oh, no. Um, his name is Mr. Rodriguez. That's my boy, but he's pain in the ass right now. <laughs> but like, I feel you on that. I've wanted children. I've wanted children for so long, but then there's times I'm like, I think I'd be a great dad. Like I didn't grow up with my father directly, you know, another black story, but you know, but I had a lot of father figures and my dad's still alive and we're trying to, you know, if I'm going to be honest with you, you've kind of pushed me not to be corny or anything like that, to push me to try not and corny. continue to build with my dad because we have certain things disconnected. My father's a very bad alcoholic and it has destroyed his life. Stroke. He can barely have, he can barely talk. You know, my dad is six, four, 140 pounds about that, you know? And I have a lot of anger that I need to work out with him that I may have pulled on and don't even know it. You mm-hmm. know, shit, I like to drink, you know, not like him, but, yeah. you know, I like, well, I like my whiskey. Tequila now, though. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to like tequila. I like tequila. I like a spicy yeah. marg. But I, I, I just have a, thank a, you for sharing Texas, that yeah. also. Yeah. Um, sure. I think I'm, I'm lucky, but it is also a lot of work and energy. So I think when it came to my personal goals, I don't know, it's almost like it shouldn't have to be a prerequisite for me to kind of pursue mm-hmm. this path that I'm on. But it, for some reason it was, and I think it happened for, you know, for a reason. Right. Um, but I will, it was like, I make it sound so easy, but it really was not, <laughs> it was not at all. Well, you can say that because you went, you've been through it, so you can make it sound easy, right? The best teacher is the one that can break it, a complex situation down easy. And I think whatever your journey has been has brought you here. Like you have a nice little energy about you, and you're using your powers for good. You I'm got trying. a nice little platform. I'm trying to study, but I see you post a lot. I can't figure it out. I can't do it. Like I've been stuck on like whatever number I'm at for like six months, and kind of beating my head against the wall. But it's okay. Let me I'm know how I can far. support you, though. I would. I I love this stuff. Like I, I love to be a sounding board and to give an offer kind of my advice. I'm going to, I'm going to funnel people to you. You know, I do have a, I do have a following. I I will say I've been blessed to more than three people. Like I'm a little happy with that. So kudos to you guys. Um, but now I want to ask you, I want to transition a little bit because this is a little heavy. Okay. So at the end of the day, what is the message that you're trying to get out? Like, what do you want ASAP Moni to represent, or is it ASAP Moni? ASAP Moni. A lot of people ASAP say Moni, but it's Moni. Like Moni. Moni, on the double N, it should say Moni. That makes more sense phonetically. <laughs> but what is the message and what is the image of ASAP Moni, um, Miss Monica Blanco? What is the? What are you about? What do you want? What do you want to leave my listeners with and your followers, who I'm sure are very dedicated to you? Devoted. That's the word I wanted to say. That sounds a little dramatic, but whatever. Lack of a better word, you get. Life is dramatic <laughs> sometimes, but there you go. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, honestly, my I guess mission or calling I feel super connected with right now because it could change. Much better word is yeah, sure for people to understand what it truly means to feel safe, to feel safe in your body, mm. to feel safe 
in your environment, physically, mentally, emotionally? Like, what does that mean? Really define what being safe means to you. And, mm-hmm. and think about how that impacts any of your decisions, what you pursue in life, and how that might affect how someone else's how someone else moves through life. Because truly at the end of the day, if you don't feel safe, you're not going to really express yourself in the way that you feel kind of called to. Right. And whatever that yeah. means, if that's like healing your relationship with a friend, family member, yourself. Right. That's it. The yourself part is hard. Yeah. The yourself part is hard. Um, Thank you for that because I, I, I put myself into the music I write. You know, that's my, my therapy. Jim is a little bit therapy, but I realize if I'm really down or angry, Jim doesn't work for me. You know, it's just, I want to get the fuck out of here, you know, and kind of like you alluded to something earlier. And I, it's funny because, off camera just now, I just said, if we can wrap this up, but now you've, uh, you, you're good at this. You got me open enough to things like that. You mentioned earlier, you know, like your escapes was alcohol and blah, blah, blah. And I certainly dipped into that shit, like a little bit too much ambient and even sex. Mm. I was wilding, you know, luckily I've never caught anything in God, but like I was trying to find that peace and whatever it was that I was hurt with, you know, like my mom died in two, I was 26 when my mother died. Like, was there something there? We had a good relationship, but was there something there that I didn't get Mm -hmm. that I was looking for when me and my girl broke up and now I just want to run out there and clean the city up, you know, like, but I think growing and going through that, just like what you went through has gotten me to where I'm, I'm at such a better place. Now I even grew a beard. I didn't have a beard till I was 39. (laughs) Like, I'm not even lying to you. Like I still got my hair on, but. It doesn't, it doesn't photograph what I'm just saying. <laughs> Reverse cameras are deadly to foreheads, ladies and gentlemen. But um, now I want to thank you for that perspective because it's very thought-provoking. And, you know, go get therapy, pro therapy. My boy Breakthrough Solutions. He's a great therapist based out of South Carolina. You know, I got to plug my friends. Yeah, of course. You know, um, pro therapy, huh? Miss Monica Blanco. So let's transition to something a little bit better. Right. As a trainer. Not even as a trainer, as a person that's in the gym, I want you to listen. I'm going to put you on the spot, rapid fire. Okay. I want you to tell me your three biggest annoyances as a member of a gym. My annoyances in the gym, okay, when people don't put their weights back, <laughs> re-rack okay, your I'm weights, please. I'm a, little I'm a little guilty of that. When a spot or machine bench is sweaty mm-hmm. because someone didn't wipe it up after. <laughs> wipe that's your shit. Wipe, what the heck? It yeah, takes like 30 seconds. That's actually very nasty. Some people sweat unbelievable amounts. They don't even need a sauna. And it's just, bro, you only did a fly with tens. Well, how are you sweating like that? <laughs> yeah. And then what is another one? When I can't really think. I think when people are are super ju- I think I can't I oh my god when people are judgmental of other people in the gym that's also annoying it's not something that I see every day no. but I know yeah so when you see somebody making fun of somebody else's form, yeah yeah shit like that yeah. it's like that's pretty fucked up that's pretty messed let up. people do their thing maybe they have an injury mm-hmm. yeah maybe they have an injury maybe that's why they can't do it there are some exercises I do I saw this girl squatting and I am not the squat king I have a bad knee I am not the king of squats but it was a situation where I wanted to tell her. I know that. I know that feeling. Yo, please 
stop because you're going to snap your legs off. Yeah. And, but the other side of that is, this is one of my annoyances and I get it. I get it again. I'm not, I'm not a woman, female, however you want to categorize it. I don't know what to say anymore at this point. So I just kind of try to run it all down the list. I don't want to go over there and look like the guy. And as soon as I open my mouth, I'm either mansplaining or you think I'm trying to hit on you. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to keep you from going to physical therapy for the rest of your life. And oh my, it was so bad. Her form was terrible. I know. <laughs> like, I, you, I know that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, like people don't love unsolicited advice, but I think right. there could be a way and maybe, maybe people need to put out content about this of how to kindly mm. approach someone. Yeah. Because there, there are definitely safe and safer ways to do a squat. And there's definitely unsafe ways to do a squat. And if you can identify it. She was the unsafe way. I mean, it was, it was actually scary. Like I actually eventually went to the other side because I really wanted to say something. But again, usually if, before I would say something like, you know, I don't want to come up presumptuous either. So it's right. a very weird space. But I said, listen, I'm not trying to hit on you or anything like that. Because she was also one of the girls. She went there and again, dress how you want. But she looked like she was kind of advertising for a music video. I mean, everything was out and that's her business. But it was a little bit to me, it looked a little bit more than just workout clothes. Mm. There's a difference for me. Again, I don't mean to offend anybody. Be sexy in the gym. That's cool. But then I don't know. I don't know how to describe it without being too raunchy. But it just seemed like there was some advertisement going on. So I definitely didn't want to go and talk to her. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very weird line of toe because I'm not trying to sound insensitive. Sounds like a lot of different factors or layers <laughs> to consider right. she, can dress, she can dress how she i'll just say i mentioned this girl before when she would do her deadlift you can see the imprint of all of her parts mm. to me that doesn't seem like comfortable workout clothes you know <laughs> um for me that's just my opinion you know especially when you're directed at the entire gym and you could face the other way because it probably is probably that's where the smith machine was meant for you to be at but whatever um <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And that was one of my annoyances is like, I don't, I don't like the advertising, even the guys, like there's a dude that I, I work out with you, this man with the tightest sweatpants you can possibly wear. And I'm not gay. It's fine. If you are, I'm not, but you can't help, but notice this man's walking around here. It looked like a sock in this shit. And I'm like, bro, you can wear bigger fucking sweatpants, bro. <laughs> like unnecessary. So you're advertising some dick. You're not advertising working out. I don't know. That kind of stuff irks me. That's my mm, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are, uh, I'm always an advocate for whatever makes you feel confident in the gym. Also, mm-hmm. whatever makes you feel comfortable and safe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I guess is different for everyone. I'm like, I don't know if sure. I would feel comfortable wearing certain things in the gym, but if you do go off, no. <laughs> good for you. You know what's so hard with that though? Because it's like, <laughs> Sure, but then what if again it goes back to the whole philosophical kind of like round table, tur- uh, round table, round table, mm-hmm. where it's like, what if this is making somebody else uncomfortable? That's true. And then where do you draw that line? You know, like I'm made very uncomfortable if I'm sitting here on the bench and the dude comes next to me with his dick basically in my face. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that, brother. No, thank you. You know, but maybe it makes him comfortable. I don't. I'm not saying he's thrusting it in my face. Yeah. People. some people are slow. That's hard. I want to make that very clear, but you know. Again, it's like gym etiquette, maybe. I don't know. Should there be a gym dress code? I don't think so, personally. But I don't. I saw a girl come in the gym one time with a seat through top. 
Like, come oh, on. Wow. Oh my gosh. Like, come How on. brave. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the whole thing was on display and she was getting the attention. And then I noticed me and my boy was working out every time a dude would go and talk to her, she would get mad. I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I guess. There's a, this is kind of a, the tangent of that. Oh my God. I just get philosophical all the oh. time. Um, but I can't help but think of this training that we did for our nonprofit, just like understanding mm -hmm. how work styles are. There's like the golden mm -hmm. rule, like treat others how you want to be treated. And then you need to meet it mm -hmm. with the treat others how they want to be treated. Right. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of that where if you're, in an environment or a space where you never know who you could come across mm -hmm. knowing having like the context too will help kind of like i don't know I, it's like i don't want to tell people what to uh, wear well, but at the same time no, i, I don't think either. there's right i guess there are some I mean, unspoken things <laughs> respect there's some levels of i think there's just like a out of respect yeah, for I'm others too I'm not going to go to work in poom poom shorts. Like there's certain things that, you know, and I work healthcare. Imagine that walking in with poom poom scrubs with a stethoscope on. Like it's not going to be, especially with my legs, it's not going to be very appealing. You know, some people might be a little off put by that, but I don't know. <laughs> the gym is a weird thing. And even the, um, even with the, um, not re-racking, it doesn't bother me oddly enough, but what will bother me is so specific is if you put one of the weights here, then you put the other one on the other side. That drives me crazy. I don't know why. Which what? Wait, so what weights? So let's say they got like two twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two barbells, and they'll put the one one twenty five on the bottom rack, and then the other twenty five on the other rack a little bit further down. And that for whatever reason, I don't know. That's some OCD ish stuff, but that irks me. It could life. be. I don't know, but I, that would probably <laughs> bother me too. I do yeah, like things yeah. pretty orderly. I mean, in the gym. Well, you, you did mention before to me that you have ADHD. Yeah, certainly. And you said that. And then I saw on your page, you said something that I love because we got a thing called color people time. And mm. y'all got, I learned this from my girl who can't be on time to anything. And I'm calling her out, uh -huh. Filipino uh -huh. time. And you said something. I saw this was one of, not one of your more recent ones, I don't think. I did my little search yesterday while I was at work. And you said penal time is just an excuse or something. Do you remember that? Yeah, place? I remember. I saw it recently on, uh, Oh man, I'm already forgetting her name. She's known as the holistic psychologist. Um, mm. That's her handle. Nicole Lepora, Dr. Nicole. I don't you know how I'm pronouncing it correctly, okay. but she put a post out saying or blaming behaviors on your culture is a cultural cop out. Like, you know, yes. saying Filipino yes. time or whatever is yeah, yeah. a cultural cop-out and then i saw another post that kind of contextualized it a little bit more where in certain cultures it's just kind of accepted as we kind of know filipinos are right. late i don't i don't know the exact post but mm -hmm. it's it's just interesting to have these different perspectives because there are definitely times where i'm like I swear I gave myself an hour of buffer time and I am for whatever reason, I'm still yeah. late. Yeah. Listen, I didn't learn what Filipino time was until I dated <laughs> a Filipino. Uh, she, she came late to one thing. I told her, yo, it was in Brooklyn. I said, this is when we first started. Yeah. For me, I wanted to debunk the CP time 
because I was going to a, a wedding with a bunch of white people. And I'm like, they probably got their stereotypes about us. This is me projecting as well. Sure. They probably got their stereotypes. I'm not going to be the late one. So I told her, we got to leave here by seven. We had to leave this place by seven to get there by 830 to give us time for parking, traffic, whatever. She gets here like 645 and starts putting her makeup on. I wanted to jump out the window from the second floor. Like it drove me crazy. <laughs> like, yo, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. But I, either way. I know time <laughs> time blindness is a thing, mm-hmm. especially for people with ADHD. And mm-hmm. like, this is something that people can research themselves, but like, basically, well, from what I understand, I don't know if there's like the temperature of your skin or just like kind of your ability to perceive time is just kind of different in yeah. I don't know neurodivergent people. That's interesting. That's interesting. I forgot I never what heard the that exact like kind of factors that they mention. If you Google time blindness mm-hmm. and ADHD, this it'll come up. But um, I'm still gonna I'm gonna try to learn more about it myself. Because it's something that I've really been trying to work on, but I just haven't found the right strategy yet. <laughs> You'll find it. It's interesting. My, my One of my best friends is like that, too. We used to tell him the party was an hour. That's what my friends do. Earlier. He was still late, though. Like, Mike. <laughs> God, yo. <laughs> yo. So either way, I'm going to leave it on that. Um, Miss Miss Monica, I don't want to keep you, keep you all day. I'm sure you got some saving to do out in the world. I can tell you have that kind of light and that energy. I appreciate and I that. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, anything you want to leave with my audience, or how can we reach you? And also, people, for the record, you want to say, wear what you want to wear. I don't care. Just saying, sometimes it can be distracting. <laughs> I don't want nobody coming back after me for that. But yeah, so how can we reach you? And what are your closing words? Oh, my closing words. This is just something that I need to remind myself all the time is that. There's always space. There's space for everyone, regardless yeah. of what that is, in what context. But there's space for you. And you can reach me on most platforms, all platforms, at ASAPMani. Is that? Do- no, it's not. So A-S-A-P, not A dollar sign A-P. That's what I put in the group. I like the dollar sign. There's, I also put the peso sign for the Philippines ASAP. But um, yeah, just regular <laughs> letters. All right, no doubt. And I'll, I'll tag everything. And, you know, anything that I can do to help your platform is way bigger than mine. But my little four and a half people, you know, if I can get two and a half to you, that's two and a half people. And, you know, hopefully this won't be the last time that we collab on anything. Of course. I'm also, I want to support you in any way that I can. And so just never hesitate to reach out. Much appreciated. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Monica, ASAP, Monty, cue the noise that I'm going to have to put into edit later, and we'll see y'all soon. Peace.